Angie's List is now Angie, A-N-G-I, and caring for your home just got easier. Whether you need help with routine maintenance or a dream remodel, Angie makes it easy to see reviews, compare quotes, and connect with top local pros who can get the job done right. Plus, you could see upfront pricing and instantly book hundreds of projects. No phone tag, just the work you need done at a time that works for you. Angie's got your to-do list covered from start to finish. Book your next home project today at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Live by Live has all of your favorite music, and you can listen for free. Whether you hit play on one of our hundreds of curated music stations or create your own custom artist radio station, you'll find the music you love on Live by Live. Visit LiveXLive.com or search LiveXLive in the App Store or Google Play and listen for free now. Addiction is a disease that impacts all of us. Whether you, your neighbor, friend, or family member is struggling, everyone feels the pain of addiction. Recovery Centers of America wants you to know that addiction treatment works and recovery is possible. Call 1-888-RECOVERY-NOW for help for yourself or a loved one. Recovery Centers of America, Capital Region, and Bracebridge Hall have helped thousands of patients in the D.C., Maryland area start a better, healthier way of life through their evidence-based inpatient and outpatient treatment programs. The caring team of physicians and clinicians at RCA see their patients as so much more than their addiction and are deeply committed to providing expert care with heart. Recovery Centers of America knows that every day in active addiction is a day in isolation, which is why they admit new patients 24-7 year-round. Don't wait. Make the call that can change everything. Call 1-888-RECOVERY now. That's 1-888-RECOVERY. This is Michael Cohen, and you're listening to the Mea Culpa Podcast. One of the truly frightening aspects of last week's riot was that it shined a light on how truly divided we are as a nation. While some 80 million voters repudiated Donald Trump at the ballot box, there was still a record number, some 74 million, who felt the opposite. Replace us! You will not replace us! This is what must be reckoned with on the eve of the most important presidential transition. Are we truly a pluralistic nation? The glorious multicultural mosaic of Stacey Abrams and Reverend Raphael Warnock? Thank you so very much. I come before you tonight as a proud American and as a son of Georgia. My roots are planted deeply in Georgia soil. A child who grew up in the Caton Homes housing projects of Savannah, Georgia. Number 11 out of 12 children. A proud graduate of Morehouse College and the pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church, the spiritual home of Martin Luther King Jr. and Congressman John Lewis. Or are we the darkness, the kraken, the rolling, angry mob seeking to stop history's forward progress? I'm afraid at the moment that we are both. 
To deny the extent of how much racist and extremist thought has wound itself into an American mainstream is to practice some kind of toxic positivity. It cannot be wished away. To merely look at what happened at the Capitol and dismiss it as the actions of a violent fringe is to put your head in the sand. You may want to shout, this is not who we are. Only it is who we are and it must be dealt with or this will never end. Everybody in there is a disgrace. It's a disgrace. That entire building is filled with treasonous traitors. Yes, sir. Death is the only remedy for what's in that building. According to Reuters, federal prosecutors offered an ominous new assessment of last week's siege of the U.S. Capitol by President Donald Trump's supporters, saying in a court filing that rioters intended to capture and assassinate elected officials. As they combed through a mountain of evidence, including hundreds of thousands of still pictures and videos, federal prosecutors are beginning to see just how serious they were. Let's be very clear about this. This was well organized. It was organized online. There was the goal of killing Nancy Pelosi. There was the goal of killing Mike Pence. Put that together. You have this mob that's focusing on decapitating the head of our constitutional government. The interesting part of what's happening and potentially more frightening is who these people are and where they come from. Many of those arrested have been normal business owners, lawyers, members of law enforcement, teachers, and former military officers. You would not look at them and say they were fringe characters. Rather, they are like the song from Sesame Street, the people from your neighborhood a florist, the owner of a gas station, a soccer coach, an accountant, and PTA mom. Oh, who are the people in the neighborhood? I think we should have gone on in and yanked the, our senators out by the hair of the head and drug them out and said, no more. People that you meet each day. Oh, look who's coming now. We have to do what we can to take back this country. They weren't living in an underground bunker somewhere off the grid. These were regular, everyday people. They live and work among us. The difference being that they have been brainwashed and fucking radicalized into the MAGA cult in QAnon. Thank you, President Trump! Thank you, This is what the philosopher and writer Hannah Arendt meant by the banality evil. In 1963, Arendt was sent by the New Yorker to cover the trial of Adolf Eichmann in Jerusalem. Her final essay for the magazine offered a sobering reflection on how evil spreads and takes hold. She positioned that men like Eichmann could hold power and their belief system adopted by larger society, not because he represented some radical evil, Rather, the evil in itself was quite mundane and normalized. USA! 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 We respect the law. We were good people. The government did this to us. We were normal, good, law-abiding citizens. And you guys did this to us. We want our country back. We are protesting for our freedom right now. That's the difference. Thus, the rioters, these MAGA stalwarts, exist not in some hidden capacity, 
but are very much among us. We want and need them to be monsters, as it's that much easier to dismiss this entire period as a terrible aberration. Had it just been the Proud Boys or the Oath Keepers or the Three Percenters, it's easier to dismiss. Ah, fuck, they're just crazy. But when it's the town librarian or your kid's teacher who is ready to die for a civil war against liberal traitors and is ready to hang the vice president, what? That's an entirely different problem. Take the case of Jenna Ryan, a Frisco, Texas real estate broker and life coach who took a private jet to Washington to participate in the riot. I mean, they are taking our country from us. And this is a prelude to the war that is about to happen. We are not messing around. We flew by a private jet. God wanted us here today. I didn't know anything about this place. It's my first time here. We're not messing around. She posted updates to Facebook with photos of the rampage and captions described how she answered the call for the president to storm the Capitol as a prelude to going to war. She has since been arrested, but it shows the extent to which people, regular people, were gleefully participating in the chaos. Because they can't govern. They said somebody in there is like shot in the face. I don't care. Shoot me in the face. You know what? I will freaking fight for our country. I want to sell your house now. Or we caricature them as clowns, the fur-clad shaman in the rotunda building. But when these people are revealed to be the very fabric of our communities, that is something else entirely different. It means that they are us, and we are them, and that is banality of evil. Quite simply, it lurks in the hearts of everyday people, and it takes someone like fucking Donald Trump to activate and normalize those sentiments that they were amplified through social media and Fox News made it that much easier to spread. And that's where we are now as a nation, on the eve of Joe Biden's inauguration. We are not healed. We are deeply sick, and the prognosis does not look good unless we reckon with these truths about ourselves. This is treason. This is treason. This is insurrection. This is rebellion. Period. I have heard people with looking at small protests in Portland, Oregon, where people were tear gassed, beaten, kidnapped. And they said, no, 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 whatever you do to those protests is okay, because we have to have law and order. We have to have law and order. This is rebellion. It is treason. It is lawlessness. It is unacceptable. And we are on a glide path at this point to having to to look down the barrel of possible civil war. Part of the larger issue is that Donald Trump may be finished as a viable political figure, but his tenure birthed a slew of many Trumps for whom the MAGA platform is gospel and political norms are meant to be obliterated. This next generation takes its power and purpose from the darkness I described above. In some respects, they are smarter, slicker, and less prone to self-destruction than Trump, thus more capable of doing some real fucking damage. What's more, they have no real political convictions. They are nihilists. Matt fucking Getz believes in nothing more than the naked accumulation of power. His only concern, the news cycle, the next Fox News hit, and the adulation of the MAGA hordes. At the state level, the MAGA influence is undeniable in its takeover of the GOP.
Its members maintain an almost religious devotion to Donald Trump. And now for the main event. There's been a lot of talk this past week about accountability. We need to now hold ourselves accountable as a nation for how we got to this place in history. That means rooting out those who supported the January 6th rioters, as well as those who helped Trump overturn this election. At the forefront of this mission is Project Lincoln, who had begun an ambitious push to punish not just the president, but those who had helped enable him at every turn, from politicians to financiers. They are being targeted with ads, billboards, and an equally ambitious pressure campaign to stop corporations from donating or supporting Trump or the MAGA agenda or risk, boycott, and shame. Leading this effort is my next guest, Lincoln Project advisor and ad man, Rick Wilson, who more than anyone helped build the modern Republican Party pre-Donald Trump. His political ads not only helped elect then Mayor Rudy Giuliani, but also George Herbert Walker Bush. An early convert and never Trumper, Wilson has written two New York Times number one bestsellers. The first was entitled, Everything Trump Touches Dies, and lamented the Republicans' party realignment behind Donald Trump. In 2020, he released his second book, Running Against the Devil, a plot to save America from Trump and Democrats from themselves. In addition, Wilson hosts the widely popular New Abnormal podcast for The Daily Beast with writer Molly Jung Fast. My conversation with him wades deep into the thorny questions of identity and who we are in a post-Donald Trump world, in addition to helping me understand who the actors were pulling the strings behind the scenes in the lead-up to January 6th riot. So let's listen now to that conversation. So today, the House is voting to impeach Trump for incitement of insurrection. Now, assuming that this passes along party lines, how do you see the vote going down in the Senate? And will there be enough GOP defectors to actually convict the president? Yeah, I think Mitch McConnell is going to try to split the baby on this one, Michael. I think what he's going to do is let his members vote as they want, which means you could get to the number. But I think he's going to delay the actual vote until like the 19th. So he can say, oh, well, I voted to you know, convict and, and, and whatnot. Uh, my, my, I let my people have their, their, their conscience on it. But he's going to wait until the 19th um, when you know, there's nothing more that can be done. Where, you know, it'll, 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 and they'll, their resolution will say, you know, we convict him and he, he's removed from office on the 20th. You know, so it's not going to change the ball game. I think McConnell's just trying to have it both ways. You know, it reminds me so much, Rick, of when I was testifying before the House Oversight Committee, because I'm watching as these Republican and the Democratic representatives are standing up for their two minutes of speech time. And reminded me again so much of my House oversight, because if you think and if you listen to it, the Republicans that are up there and speaking, they're all saying the same bullshit, which is, why are you guys doing this? Why are you up to this? You know, there's only another six days left before which he's gone, right? What's the point? You're being divisive. You're the ones that are now causing the stir. What's your opinion on that? Because that makes me fucking furious. Yeah, my, my, opinion, my opinion is they should fuck right off. Those guys, they're, they're the chicken shit that, that is in the Republican caucus, in the House and the Senate both. 
It is amazing to me. These guys, these guys, they, these people would have killed them if they found them. They would have killed them. And this, you know, mobs do what they do, Michael. When there's a mob, when, when a mob is running around and they're angry and they're violent, they wouldn't have known, oh, that's a Republican or that's not a Republican. They would have said, oh, that's a, that's a member of Congress. They oppose Trump. Let's get them. And the, these guys, he literally sent a mob down there to kill their, their colleagues and to assault their colleagues and to invade the Capitol. And it's like, oh, well, you know, we're just going to, we, we, well, it's almost over. We should all be peaceful. We should sing hands and sing, whole hands and sing kumbaya. Get the fuck out of here. Well, if you think about it also, they're so adamant about, and when I'm talking about the Democrats now are adamant about, you know, um, indict, indicting, you know, Trump and impeaching him for his behavior, which they rightly should. And then, of course, you have those GOP members that are also so infuriated that they want an impeachment. Of course, we know Mitt Romney is definitely in that camp. And now my understanding is Mitch McConnell might be as well. But I certainly didn't see any of them having this type of a moment when Trump was threatening me and my family. And I turned around and the only one that really came to my rescue, right? There were a few of them, was, was Elijah Cummings, Adam Schiff, Jerry Nadler, Eric Swalwell, right? Uh, you know, these individuals came to my, to my aid. And at least they sent an admonishment to the president that what you're doing to Michael Cohen and his family through your Twitter feed is illegal. It's witness tampering and obstruction of justice. But nobody took the mantle up for me. And yet all of a sudden, here they are, our, our fearless leaders, right? Now they're getting a taste of what it's like to be on the opposite side of Donald fucking Trump, like, my, like I was, like my family was, where we can't even walk together anymore for fear that, God forbid, one of these lunatics will end up behaving in the same manner they did at the Capitol. What's your what's your take on that? Yeah, look, I mean, they set a precedent with with, with you in particular. They set a precedent where this guy could get away with death threats and get away with intimidation at a level that you'd never imagine in a president. I mean, Nixon never even got anywhere in the ballpark of the kind of shit Trump said about you. OK, and so it, it's always been it's always been striking to me that you know, now that now that they're safe, okay, he doesn't have a Twitter feed anymore. He's out of here. SDNY is after him. The New York State Attorney is after him. He's fucked financially. This guy has this guy has the power of his bullshit left, but they're still intimidated by him. They're still terrified of it. Uh, but but they should have broken that, Republicans and Democrats, because the way he behaved. Not and just I mean, and your case, it was particularly egregious because he was clearly trying to suppress you from telling the truth about his relationships with, with in, in business and everything else. Let's also not forget the New York DA, because the New York City, the district attorney yes. here, Cyrus Vance mm -hmm. Jr., has, the, has a criminal case pending. You know, they say that yep. the attorney general's case is predominantly civil, which is where that'll go. But Cy Vance's case, and he is all over this, is criminal in nature. Um, right. You know, but again, I go with just going back to these Republicans, listening to them speaking off of the same the same party line, the same bullshit. And it's mm -hmm. each and every one of them wants their two minutes. Right. So that they can go to their constituents and say, hey, I fought for Donald Trump. Revote, you know, vote for me in the reelection. Yeah. Or they turn around and they say, you know, I was against Donald Trump, even if they're Republican, simply because their constituents feel that the attempted coup of the U.S. government right. Right, is even too much for them.
Who knew who knew that would be bad for elections to support a coup? I mean, crazy, right? <laughs> but you know, you know, look, that that two minutes of posturing, you saw that when you were testifying. They get up there and they sh- they shoot the shit for two minutes. And it's so they can hopefully get 10 seconds of that two minutes on Fox or on CNN or on MSN. Um, and and the, I think one of the big problems here is that, you know, this this is something that requires longer than like the little kabuki dance they're doing. This requires an actual debate about what the fuck this guy has done to us and to this country and what and what would have happened if he got away with it. Because, you know, this this guy has gotten away with shit his whole damn life. He's never been held to account. He's gotten away with this shit kind of shit over and over and over and over again. And I guarantee you, when he thought, okay, those people are marching down there, no matter what happens, I can I can get out of it. And he can't this time. Well, you know, and these Republicans that are standing up there for him and so on, they're such a bunch of fucking ass clowns just watching them say the same oh, thing yeah. over and over for again. Sure. It's amazing that people are still watching. For sure. And, and all of a sudden they're like, Oh, I condemn the violence. It's so so terrible. And, you know, but a lot of them, you'll notice, still aren't saying the magic words. They're not saying Joe Biden is the legally elected president of the United States. They're still afraid of it. They're still afraid that, that, you know, the mob is going to come after the Trump's mob of people is going to come after him or Fox will go after him or something. You know, it's it's weird. I mean, and I guess I guess you'd know this better than almost anybody, Michael. You know, he gets in people's heads and he kind of lives there. And, and, and he like causes PTSD or something, you know, he just cause he's such a fuck. <laughs> well, that was the basis of my book disloyal, right? The yeah. Trump derangement syndrome from a narcissistic sociopath. But let me ask you this, Rick, if Trump is convicted in the Senate, yeah. what do you think happens to his tens of millions of MAGA loyalists? Will impeachment break their spell? Um, or will they simply just transfer their loyalty to the you know to the next asshole in line like like a Josh Hawley or or a Ted Cruz. Hey, look, Trump is going to say, "Oh, I'm running again." He's not going to run again. He's just going to suck you know as many millions as he can out of the magas. But but I do think he looks at politics now as a business model. So that he's going to try to he'll try to pretend he's running no matter what happens, win or lose in court. He's going to say, "I'm going to be president again," and we all know it's bullshit but he's going to still grift you know probably a couple hundred million dollars out of these people but yes a josh hawley or a ted cruz or a tom cotton or marco rubio or you know whoever else they all think they're going to run like the trump playbook and inherit donald trump they think they're going to get trump's base out of this thing i don't think so personally i think he's too much of a specific brand and i think that audience doesn't they don't give a fuck about policy they don't care about any of that shit you know, if it's not Trump, they'll think, oh, well, Don Jr. will do in a pinch. He's another Trump, you know, and he speaks that like like fluent MAGA asshole dialogue that they all speak. You know, that that whingy, whiny, fucking, oh, you're <laughs> pressing me. <laughs> <laughs> it's truly amazing. But, you know, he's going to have to grift off of these MAGA loyalists because every single day. You're going to see more and more shit happen to Trump. And I said it, that one of the things that I was hoping with my involvement in all of these different investigations is that we dismantle the Trump Corp, the Trump organization, and we fuck him up in his finances that he goes away for good, right? And that's why, of course, as I said, Cyrus Vance with the tax returns and and so on. But now you may have seen today 
de Blasio, finally, Bill de Blasio did something I've been calling for for at least the last three, four months. Right. They canceled four property contracts, lease deals that they have with the Trump organization. Yeah. The Woman Rink that Trump decided right. to rename yeah. the Trump Rink, which mm -hmm. is not supposed to be. Laska Rink up at 110th and Central Park North. They also got rid of the carousel in the middle of Central Park that Trump took over. Yep. And his golf course, the one in Yonkers called at Ferry Point, um, the Trump links. So that's by the way. Now, according to what de Blasio said, that that has about a income uh, stream for the Trump organization of about $17 million. That's inaccurate because the numbers are substantially higher. I believe that Woman Rink alone was about $15 million of net profit. Of all of his assets that are income producing go bye-bye, and the only shit that he has are assets that are negative income producing that cost him money, well, where's he going to go get the rest of the money from, right? He's not going to get it from Deutsche Bank. They're gonzo. Where's he going to get it from? Ladder Capital, from Alan Weisselberg, the CFO's son that works there, <laughs> the only other institution dumb enough to loan Donald Trump money? I don't think so. I don't think, I don't think Donald Trump or his kids or any of them, and God willing, the same with Kushner, I don't, I don't believe any of them should be able to get a loan from anybody. That's just my opinion. Oh, I, listen, I, I completely agree with you. I think, I think if you end up being in business with Donald Trump when this is over, first off, you're a fucking idiot. Second off, um, you know, you are chasing, you are chasing a, a, a risk overhang like nothing else imaginable because he's all, this guy's going to be in court and you know this, he's going to be in court every fucking day for the rest of his life. It's never going away now. This is done. I have lawsuits against him. Yeah. I've lawsuits yeah. against him for, uh, for failure to pay the legal fees, uh, as well as, you know, as well as other matters. Um, I mean, then with the DA, the attorney general, and that's just the state of New York. But I do, Rick, want to discuss with you a tweet from you this morning. And it went like this. Every person squealing like a hog stuck in a gate over the Wall Street Journal op-ed against Project Lincoln is hilarious. But my victimhood is the battle cry of the Trump GOP. Yeah. Suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> Thought y'all were tough guys. Now, unpack this for my listeners, if you could. First off. What is the Project Lincoln plan that has them all up in arms at this moment? Well, what we've done, Michael, is we've, we've committed that we're going to identify two, two groups of people. One, major donors to Trump, to, the, to McConnell, to Kevin McCarthy in the House. And we're going to make sure that, they, that, that, that America knows and their clients know uh, that they're donating to people who try to overthrow the government and to support Donald Trump. Secondly, and what the Wall Street Journal was specifically really digging in on, was we said we're going to identify the tier one targets who worked for Trump, the real bad guys who worked for Trump, who implemented policies, who enabled him in ways, uh, because it's our belief that as Americans, we have the right to speak out that nobody in the fucking world should hire a Stephen Miller ever, that, 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 that John Kelly doesn't need another job in the, in the private sector uh, and that these people need to be held accountable. I don't really care about some like GS7, you know, kid in the labor department who's, you know, 25 years old. I don't care about that. I care about the people that enabled and empowered him. And I want to make sure that, that there's a consequence and there's accountability for what they did in service of a man who was a criminal president 
and in service of a man who was a, a, a president who sought to overthrow our government. And, and, and there are a lot of people who are just freaking the fuck out. Let me tell you, I worked George Herbert Walker Bush administration, 1989 to 1993. And I'm incredibly proud of it. I was, I was a kid. I was 24 years old, 23 years old. I was a kid. I was working for Dick Cheney when he was Secretary of Defense. I was incredibly proud of that. It's been on every damn resume I've ever done. Well, these people, you know, who worked in the White House, the administration, ordinarily, they'd be out bragging about it. They'd be saying, oh, I was this the deputy assistant secretary of whatever. Well, now they're like, oh, fuck. If I worked for Trump, I'm going to be burned. I can't go into corporate America. Corporate America doesn't want people like, you know, Trump style people around them. They don't want the people that did kids in cages. They don't want the people that did, you know, all this, all this crazy shit overseas. They don't want people that, that have been involved in, in all the failures and fuck ups of this guy. And so the fact that we would list their names, their public names, and we're not, we're not giving people their home phone numbers. We're not giving them their personal email addresses. We're just saying, Hey, John Smith worked in the Department of Homeland Security, and he was the guy who put the kids in the cages or whatever. And so, you know, these guys are flipping the fuck out over it. And you know what? Uh, sorry, guys. You, you know, you, you, as we like to say in the Lincoln Project, you bought the ticket, you take the ride. <laughs> That's a good quote. It's funny because right after you put that out, my emails and my texts started blowing up on my cell phone. Right. And there were other groups that were trying to piggyback off of what Project Lincoln was up and trying mm. to do. They actually asked me if I have any lists or any identifying names of individuals who are members of Donald Trump's various golf clubs um, and, you know, um, and business associates of his, because they wanted to call them out also. So we're talking about individuals who are members of whether it's Mar-a-Lago or Bedminster or right, Westchester, right. you know, all the various different golf clubs, Colts Neck, et cetera. Right. <laughs> all of a sudden, I started getting text messages and emails from people who I haven't spoken to, obviously, <laughs> in years because they're Trump sycophantic fucknuts, right? <laughs> Instead, they want to know, are you going to release my name as part of that list? Because it went out there viral. Right, right. Right. And I turned around and I didn't answer them. So about an hour later, did you get my earlier email? <laughs> right. Is this still your is this still your email address? And is this still your cell phone number? And I haven't decided what the right thing to do, you know, as of the moment is, but that really would be something. Let them sweat, brother. Let them sweat. By the way, <laughs> if I was them, I would walk. I would get the fuck out of that club. Why would you support somebody who wanted to overthrow yeah. this country? Somebody who has created more divisiveness in this country than any other president known. On top of that, you're supporting somebody, and I say this each and every time, a racist. So if you're black and you belong to one of the clubs, or you're brown or Hispanic or Indian, Donald Trump fucking hates you. Don't you understand yeah. that? He is a racist to the core. He's a sexist. So how could you bring your wife to a club where the person who owns it is a sexist or a misogynistic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, homophobic, anti-Semite? How the hell are you supposed to become a member of a club of somebody that has that sort of, you know, ideology? I don't understand. Michael, you're, you're right on the money there because the, the idea that, that a lot of these people that joined Mar-a-Lago and the other clubs, you know, Trump National and what, what Doral and, and whatnot, the idea that these people were doing it because they, they the, the wealthy ones that love Donald Trump so much, 
that it was going to be like access to power and access to glamour and fame and whatever, whatever, whatever their reasoning was. That shit's out the window. I, I cannot imagine there's going to be a moment where anybody wakes up and says, hey, I want to throw 200 grand in, in um, initiation fee and dues to Mar-a-Lago after, after tomorrow. I, after after the after Wednesday, particularly, um, I can't imagine he's going to retain a lot of these properties. I suspect that, you know, and as we saw from the PGA, they were like, eh, yeah, we're not going to play golf at the Trump clubs anymore. That's not good for our brand. Nobody's going to want that on their on their on their brand. Now, they're not going to want to they're not going to say, hey, it's Chrysler sponsoring this or that golf tournament at Trump Doral. No way. No way. Well, Rick, how about, um, you know, come join Rick Wilson for his marriage over at Trump Mar-a-Lago. Half your guests are going to be like, I wouldn't step fucking foot on that property. So, you know, unless you find another place to go, really. And that's where a big portion of their money comes from, yeah, is from sure. these type of events. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the idea that the, that, the, that the clubs and the golf courses, um, you know, were enhanced by his uh, presidency seems to be true. But the idea that they're going to be destroyed by the fuck up of his presidency also seems to be true. I can't um, I just it is hard for me to imagine anyone, especially because, you know, a lot of these dues end up being paid. Like if you're a, if you're in a big law firm, sometimes they'll pay your dues to join a certain club. Right. I can't imagine a big law firm or a corporate board is going to say, yeah, our CEO should be a member of a Trump golf club. Get the fuck out of here. No way. Yeah. Discuss with me, please. This constant sense of right-wing victimhood and what that ultimately reveals. Because personally, if I hear another MAGA apologist right whine about being canceled, I'm actually going to lose my shit and go nuts. Right, right. I, I, I have to tell you, Michael, it's one of the funniest fucking things of all time. Because, you know, like, like Trump always plays this, like, big macho figure. You know, oh, kick their ass, beat them up. You know, when we all know he's a soft bitch, right? But he got into the heads of the MAGAs and he convinced them and they already believed it. OK, they already believed it. He convinced them that he would be the, the, the weapon of their revenge against the people that look down on them. And you see Bannon, he says that all the time. That's his like thing. Oh, the, the elites look down on you and Trump isn't an elite. Da, 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 da. Yeah, it's horseshit. But the, the, the sense of victimhood is always there. You know, maybe you didn't get taken off of Twitter and Facebook because you're being oppressed. Maybe it's because you're a fuckwit. Maybe it's because you're an asshole who's calling for revolution and violent overthrow of the government. Call me crazy, but maybe actions have consequences. I, as a conservative, believe that, you know, what you do, you have to take responsibility for things you do. And the Trump world, they don't, Trump sort of like gives them the excuse to say, no, it doesn't matter. I can do what I want. It's just the, it's just big tech or big media or whoever. They're, they just hate me because I'm not like them. Bullshit. They hate you because you're a fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So Project Lincoln is actually doing a fantastic job. I mean, really fantastic job. So kudos to that in targeting Thank those you. lawmakers who align themselves with the overturning of the election or supported the January 6th rioters, either tacitly through right. their actions or as Trump apologists yeah. saying, and this really, this really blew me away, saying it was Antifa, <laughs> right? Or other hokey right? bullshit. Right? If, you can, if you can, lay out your strategy in the wake of January 6th and how it will manifest both online and through other platforms. Sure. 
One thing we know, Michael, is that um, the vast majority, about 80% of Americans so far in the polling, don't think a violent overthrow of the U.S. government is a good idea. Okay, so that tells you where the Trump, like the core nut of the Trumpism is, around 20% of America. It's still a scary number. We're going to continue to make sure that people understand not only did Trump call for this, cause this, set it in motion, incited at every turn, but that there was a conspiracy of people around him, both in Congress and in the right-wing activist world. And like the Republican Attorney General Association was doing robocalls for this. Stop the Steal is an outright criminal enterprise headed by Roger Stone and Ali Alexander and these other people. We're going to make sure people understand the story and the history so it doesn't get like revised. And, and there's like some pretend version like, oh, it was Antifa. Um, we're also going to very much focus on um, ensuring that Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell and the members of, of the Senate and Congress, they're called on to have an up or down position on this. They're called on to be forced to make a publicly facing decision. And we think that if they don't condemn Trump, that they basically have decided to be co-conspirators. At that point, all bets are off. Well, shame on shame on them and all these, you know, um, Republican uh, members of the Congress who ignored exactly the same situation that took place on January 6th that took place in Michigan. Right. Where they wanted to kill the governor and they stormed the Capitol in Lansing with AR-15s. I mean, is there really any difference between the Capitol in Lansing and the Capitol in Washington, D.C.? It's a government building as far as I'm concerned. Right. It's a government building. It's a place where where in our in our system of government with a with a legislative, executive and judicial branch, one of the three branches, whether it's the federal or the state versions of it, resides. And and the idea that armed terrorists socially have, have decided it's socially and politically acceptable to use violence or a threat of violence against somebody, that's not America. That's the goddamn third world. That's 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 the fucking Congo in the 1970s. That's that's Paraguay in the 1970s. That's you know C- Central America under Noriega. That's crazy. That that idea that political violence is a is an acceptable range of behavior in this country. If you don't stop it now, if you don't punish people for it now, this is why I believe Trump must be impeached. I don't even care if it's after the election. He must be impeached because there has to be a penalty for trying to provoke an insurrection. There has to be a penalty or you will get more of it. If you don't punish bad behavior, you know what? If your kid throws their plate of food on the ground, you know, and you never punish them for it, they'll keep throwing their plate of food on the ground. You know, if your dog craps on the carpet, and you don't punish them for it. They'll keep crapping on the carpet. So we've got to take steps not only in the in the in the Congress right now. But we've also got to take steps as a society and, and, and as activists and in the media and everywhere else to hold these fuckers accountable. You've got to say, you know, you sided with the wrong you bet on the, you bet against America first off. So fuck you. Um, you tried to destroy our system of government. So fuck you. And so and it loops back, Michael, to what we're saying about, you know, the fact that we're going to identify a lot of Trump administration and Trump uh, allies. Those people knew what they were doing. They didn't walk out the door. They didn't leave. They didn't say, fuck this, I'm done. They stayed. A lot of them are still in the White House right now, six days to go. And they know what he's doing. They know what's happened. And it is 
it is a comment on their moral character now, not just on his. I mean, since you were talking about dogs crapping on the floor, two two things came to mind. First was the fact that many of these um, these seditionists, right, these insurrectionists that stormed the Capitol, basically defecated on the floors in the Capitol yeah. and spread it around some of the offices. Yeah. And my other question to you is, do you think Donald Trump ever took a shit on the floor in the East Wing? You know, I, I, I doubt it. Um, I think he's probably more <laughs> freaky than that. Um, but I mean, I, I, you know, it, it was just I, a friend of mine who's a retired member of Congress. He's been retired for a, for a while. He's quite he's in his 80s now. Uh, he sent me a, a text message and he said, I cannot believe what I'm watching. He goes, I can't believe what I'm watching. He says, it saddens me so much because that is not that, that is not Nancy Pelosi's house. That's the people's house. That's not that's not any Republican or Democrat's house. That's America's house. And and the fact that these people were breaking shit and defecating in it and smearing stuff on statues and 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 pulling signs off the wall and breaking into offices, it, it is a sign that they are disconnected culturally from the civics of America. Yeah, I was so I was taken back too, Rick, because I worked in the Cong I worked there in 1987 and 88 when I worked for Congressman Joe Moakley of I Massachusetts. Remember Joe? Yeah. Sure when I, I was Joe. when I was in college, when sure. I was in college I worked and then for Michael Dukakis for a short time mm -hmm. uh during his presidential run. And to me, those though that building is like a museum. And yeah. I couldn't believe when they when they defecated on the floor and they destroyed some of the the statues in the in the in the hallways. It, to me, it's just disgusting. But you know, I will say my mom is going to get angry at me over this next question that I want to raise to you because <laughs> my mom always said, you know, she, my mom, <laughs> you would think that we were Christian. Turn the other cheek. Turn the other cheek. And every time she told me to turn the other cheek is when I used to throw a right cross. But you know, I am actually taking great pleasure in watching Ivanka desperately tried oh, to position yes. herself apart from the MAGA riot from her <laughs> father and above the fray, right? That she must face consequences for her actions or her complicity in her father's actions yep. is the very first time that she has had to truly reckon with her father's behavior in a real and a material way. The same goes for all of the Trump children. I mean, listening to Don Jr. coked out of his mind, screaming shit, Rudy Giuliani screaming shit. Daddy has skated largely unscathed his entire yeah. life, thanks to people like me, right, from one mess to another. Now that the halls are closing in, uh, I'm sorry, now that the walls are closing in and the hallways, right, they all have no idea what to do or where to go. Discuss your thoughts with this with me. Oh, well, look, uh, Ivanka was telling people in Florida she wanted to run against Marco Rubio. She thought that was going to be her her future. And apparently she and Jared have got a house in Miami now and all this stuff. I, I'm i going to take a particular degree of pleasure in watching Ivanka and Jared lose their fucking minds. Because they're, they're not going to have the world they thought they were going to have. You know, they're, they're blocked out now of the, of the beautiful life they wanted either in Florida society or New York society. So she's, he's going to have to do increasingly, I think, sleazy deals with the Saudis and everybody else to stay afloat if he can. And, and you know, knowing how the Saudis work, there's a good likelihood that when he's no longer of any use to them, he's out. It's over. And Ivanka, same thing. I mean, she's, she's the, the mysterious lightness of Ivanka's rise as a, as a power figure in the world 
was generated, folks, by a bunch of fucking PR people constantly saying how wonderful Ivanka was to, to reporters and pitching stories for her. That's over. And no matter what she does, if Ivanka tomorrow like, changed her whole life and went and worked with poor people for five years in the, in, the, in, the, in the inner city and reformed her whole attitude, she'd still have the shitbird father of Donald Trump hanging over her for the rest of her life. So, you know, I think she's I think she's in a bad spot. Um, I think Don Jr., you know, I, I mean, I want to say this, like, honestly, I know a lot of people who struggle with addiction in their lives. Don Jr. needs help. That guy, that guy is whacked out of his fucking skull half the time. He needs help. Um, but he's going to try to run for something. I, I predict Don Jr. is going to move out to like Wyoming or Idaho or Montana and try to run for something. That's my, that's my, that's my sort of uh, like gut prediction because it'll be a red state with a small audience. They'll all be very red. They'll all be very Trumpy. And he thinks he could probably do it. Now, he'd be the worst fucking legislative official of any kind ever. Don always wanted to move out to Montana. So it's funny that you say yeah. that. Yeah, no, I, I, that's my that's my suspicion is that that's what he's going to do. You know, Eric's just like, I don't even know how Eric like puts his own clothes on every day. That guy's just dumber than a bag of hair. But, um, you know, I think they're all fucked. I think they're all in trouble. And I, I think they've, they've all got a, a very dark time ahead. Yeah, and I actually agree with you 100% regarding the Saudis. You know, something that most people don't know is I actually represented, prior to my years working for Trump, I represented one of the members of the royal family of Saudi Arabia. Right. And I can tell you that when they no longer have a use for you, they no longer have a use for you. Right. So all of these backdoor deals that Jared did while flying off to Riyadh, right, without government clearance basically he's taking time on his own and where is he going now he's not going to colorado to aspen like the other you know members of his social class right right or going down to florida to go check on that 30 million dollar piece of just dead property that they bought now they have to build something on it that's just <laughs> for the plot of land he didn't go there he decided to go ahead and go and go to Saudi Arabia, not even to the castle in Riyadh, but rather to some farm or some, um, you know, horse farm that, you know, Mohammed bin Salman has in the outskirts so that they can have a conversation, really, unaccompanied, right, uh, unauthorized, whatever backhanded deals that Jared did on behalf of Mohammed bin Salman or with Mohammed bin Salman, it will ultimately come out because Mohammed bin Salman cares about, very much like Donald Trump, Mohammed bin Salman. He cares about his safety Absolutely. in Saudi Arabia. And with Iran breathing down at the borders of Saudi, they need a Biden administration assistance. Otherwise, they will end up getting, you know, taken over by, you know, one of these Islamic extremist groups and they will be out of power and Mohammed bin Salman cares about money as much as Donald Trump cares about his the only difference is Mohammed bin Salman is in control over his country that that's the truth Donald Trump wanted to be in control of this country that's exactly right Michael I mean bin Salman is is running that country like like it's a you know like it's well like it's a monarchy <laughs> Trump would like to have a monarchy but he's never going to get one um yeah, I mean, I think we're in a, a, a position right now where, where, you know, you're going to see, you know, that, that old Hemingway phrase about bankruptcy, it happens slowly and then all at once. 
Donald Trump's going to lose everything that he cares about slowly and then all at once. And, and I think the kids, I think there was a, a time in the, in the last couple of years where, you know, he does, he may not like his kids, but he saw them as useful ways to extend the brand. I think there's going to be a time in the next couple of years where the catastrophic degree of collapse in Trump's, you know, fortunes is going to, is going to iterate to them and it's going to be a very bad outcome. Sure. I totally agree. Now, I keep hearing about this name, Ali Alexander from Stop the Steal. Right. And his ties to both congressmen and the Trump campaign. I'm curious what you know about this guy and how much inside help he received. Well, I, I, I know of Ali. He used to go by the name Ali Akbar. Um, he was a he it, when 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 blogging became a big thing in the conservative world in like 2008, 9 and 10. He hosted this thing called the Bloggers Convention or something like that at CPAC. And he was always kind of a shifty guy. I mean, he had had some arrests and convictions. I think convictions, but I know for sure arrests. And it was stuff like, I don't know, check fraud or, or, or you know, phony credit cards, something like that. And you, it, it's out there on, on Google. But he was always, he always ran with a like really creepy set of, of these like low tier activists in Republican politics. Um, and a couple of years ago, he reinvented himself as Roger Stone's latest, you know, uh, facilitator. Pet project. Yeah, uh -huh. right. And, and and so Roger started to, to like, uh, stop the steal. And, and Ali, I guess, implemented it. But the guy has a, a profoundly creepy reputation. He's a super far right extremist. He's also just basically a grifter. I mean, the guy's the guy's been, you know, he's been in a number of these various like super PACs that aren't really super PACs or, or associations that aren't really associations. And he just does, you know, whatever, whatever he's doing is, is not, I mean, he, no one in, in real legitimate Republican politics would, would go, Oh man, we got to get Ollie Alexander in here. Cause that's what we really need in this project. You know, nobody ever says that <laughs> he's a bad dude. Yeah. He's also in the right space. If he's looking for grifters hanging out with the Trump campaign. Oh, for sure. No question. Yeah. But, no, no doubt. You know, we talked about this before. Mitch McConnell's, you know, turn against Donald Trump, mm -hmm. for me at least, is the most welcome news to come from uh, that side of the aisle in a very, very long time. Because it seems that finally, finally, that the GOP will break from its MAGA spell and purge itself of Trump. At least that's what we all hope. Discuss with me, if you will, what you believe was McConnell's reasoning was it actually an act of patriotism or simply cold political calculus from the Senate's dark overlord? A hundred percent of this is about Mitch McConnell trying to frame up the, the 2022 Senate races. He has seen, he sees the future. And a lot of the seats that are up in 2022 are not in deep red MAGA states. They're in more neutral states. It's going to be a much harder set of, of assignments for him in 2022 um, as he goes forward, because you know it, these are not the, these are not Alabama and Mississippi and and even North Carolina. You know, these are going to be places that are much much more diverse. So he's going to try right now to start burning Trump down so that his people in 2022 are able to get up on the curve. And his people in 2022 are able to be in a position where they might be able to win. And that's that's purely what it's about. There's there's 
believe me, <laughs> there is never anything in Mitch McConnell other than political expedience. It's all he is or cares about. Yeah, well, we have, he's not the only one. You got Lindsey Graham, too, because as I'm watching the desperate flip-flopping of Lindsey Graham, oh my it's God. actually making me have fucking you, nauseous. Can you, have you ever seen anyone beg more pathetically than that guy? I mean, it's repulsive. Right, it is, repu it is repulsive, because last week he had enough, and this week he's now with the president on Air Force One, acting as like the president's chaperone. Right. They're sitting there, they're holding hands, right? They're commiserating. Someday... We will find out the dossier of compromise that Trump held over his head and other people's heads to maintain their allegiance. Because yeah, I, I cannot figure out any other way other than blackmail that has been able to keep these folks on such a tight leash. I learned the hard way what it's like to break away. These people should have at least had the visine in their eyes to open their eyes and be clear with what sort of bullshit that Donald Trump will bring into your home and the problems that you're going sure. to face by having that type of a relationship with Donald Trump. 100%, Discuss man. this with me. 100%. What's your thoughts? Yeah, look, I, I, think, I think there have been a lot of people in D.C., um, some of whom thought they were just doing it for power, but like a lot of a lot of like a lot of entrapments in the world, what you thought was the what you thought was the hot girl you were going to fuck that one night turned out to be a honey trap. And I, I, I would not put it past a lot of the people around him uh, to 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 play those kind of games and to dig dirt on people. I mean, I know that they they launched an oppo guy on me and and dug through all my stuff, you know, which is, you know, do what you want to do. But Lindsay is, you know, he is a weird guy. He's never been like a normal guy. Um, and, and, and whatever it was that made him so ambitiously linked to Trump, we don't know yet. We don't understand that in a real way. Um, and, and maybe someday we will. But, uh, but I, I, he's always been, in my mind, the worst of Trump's ass kissers. He's like, he's like, he kisses Trump's ass in ways that would make like a a professional ass kisser go, "Hey, dude, you're you're over, dude, back it up, ease it back. You're over you're overacting, Lindsay. You know, I love Donald Trump. He's one of my heroes. God, get the fuck out of here, <laughs> Rick. You know the difference between an ass kisser and a brown nose? Tell me, depth perception. <laughs> so. <laughs> Clearly, clearly he has a real problem with fucking depth perception. And he's not the only asshole over there. You have Matt Getz that sits there. I don't understand. He's another one that is just, I swear as God is my witness, I would love to end up sitting in a, in a boxing ring with him or an MMA ring. I'd love to spin kick him right in the side of his fucking head for what he did to my family and so on. And his fake apology that was written by Sean Hannity that I put out on my Twitter feed. You know, shame on him. People like this should not be allowed to run for Congress. They should not be allowed to run for public office. I know Matt from Florida politics. And I, I, this, I don't know if this will shock you, or appall you or disappoint you, but Matt Gates, he doesn't believe in shit. He doesn't believe in Donald Trump. He believes in Matt Gates. He wants to be famous. He wants to be on Fox. He wants to have a TV show on Fox. That's what he wants. That's why he's kissed Trump's ass. He doesn't believe in anything. He's a nihilist. He's like Tucker Carlson. He doesn't believe in a fucking thing. He just was playing the game, which makes it worse for me in that he's willing to burn anybody down, your family included, 
which makes it it makes it worse. You know, if you believe in something deeply and you're and somebody's in the way, maybe that's one thing you can you, you don't like it, but you can at least see the ethos behind it. His just is he just wants ratings, he just wants TV hits, he wants to boost his email list. That's all he cares about. It's 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 he's really an appalling human being. Yeah, I, I have no regard for him. I have no regard for my former friend Sean Hannity and the way that he has allowed his himself to basically fall into that that dumpster of Donald Trump yep. and and sit there and spew the shit that they spew. For God fucking sake, Sean. All right, I hope you're listening, you scumbag. Here's the real fucking deal. They attacked U.S. democracy, right? I mean, even, even Fox is acknowledging it, but they cannot because they're afraid. They're afraid yep. that it's going to interfere with their viewers. Yep. They're going to be afraid that their ratings are going to go down. And so they would rather destroy democracy than their ratings and their, and their payday. T- tell me, Rick, Sarah Longwell yesterday announced some new $50 million pack called the Republican Accountability Project to provide financial support for Republicans looking to break with Donald Trump. I mean, talk about another grifting group. As we all know, money is still the coin of the realm when it comes to political decision making. Discuss with me how moves like this, as well as corporate America's turn away from uh, Trump, will actually help this effort. Well, the the idea that corporate America is going to walk away from the Republicans is a powerful one. It is freaking them out. Like, it's freaking them out a lot, which I'm really happy about. Um, and we're pushing that pretty hard inside the Lincoln Project. Um, there, you know, what politics is always about incentives and deterrence. And at some point, you know, if a Lynn Cheney or an Adam Kinzinger or or uh, uh, Catherine Herrera Butler stands up and says, "Fuck it, I'm done. I'm going to vote to impeach this guy." You know, and the, and they're from places where a Democrat can't win, which they all are. You know, you you look at them and you're like, "Okay, do we want to tell these people, you know, all is forgiven or some is forgiven or you're on probation, you're going to be okay if you if you if you toe the line from here on?" I think you kind of do. I'm not in that business. You know, and I, 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 Sarah, I don't, I don't know what Sarah's plan is. I haven't really read through what they're what they're planning to do, um, but it it will be a, an interesting test because you know if you're going to ever rebuild a center right or conservative party, you know you're going to have to do a lot. There's going to have to be you know you're going to have to find some people eventually um, who can replace the Trumpers, who can run against the Trumpers. It's a, it's it's a weird. That's something I haven't. I don't have like enough like Nostradamus in me to figure out how that's going to work yet. Yeah, for me, I just see it as another financial grift taking advantage of the fact that Trump's an asshole and that's what everybody's calling because $50 million super PAC um, really isn't going to help you with too many elections, not when the lowest right amount that people are spending these days are $20 million or a half a billion for Georgia. I mean, yeah, I just well, don't see $50 million. I, I mean, it's just basically I think it's for Longwell and others to use it, like the way that the Trumps are using that super PAC that they, that they created, Laura Trump taking money like it's going out of style. Everybody's on it. Tiffany, Don Jr., you name it. The whole fucking family's on the grid. The girlfriends. This is what the girlfriends, girlfriends, Kimberly, 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 Guilfoyle. She's a hot, she's a hot mess. (laughs) Hey, Rick, in the wake of the riot, 
Yeah. There's been a lot of reporting about QAnon and its role in the events of January right. 6th. Right. How intertwined have they become inside the GOP? And how dangerous are figures like Marjorie Taylor Greene? Because I would simply dismiss her as a clown. But I worry that what's got us in this mess in the first place right. is underestimating the intent of seriously deranged and stupid individuals like her. That is a, you know, that is a real um that is a real and frightening characteristic of the Republican Party as it is now constituted. You know, this next cycle, there will be more QAnon candidates, not less. There will be more crazy conspiracy theories, not theory people, not less. This will go in a very bad direction, in my opinion, for the indefinite future. Uh, because look, believing in conspiracy shit is easy. It, it's it's like comfortable because it like gives you a coherent explanation of the universe around you without having to do too much work or to look at uncomfortable ideas or topics. So the idea that there's some secret conspiracy that governs the world, it's got a mental, like a cognitive kind of appeal to some people and a lot of Republicans. And again, the victim culture, they're like, oh, well, it, it, obviously we, we're not losing these races because uh, we're losing these races. It's obviously a secret George Soros conspiracy with the media against us or some other fucking elaborate bullshit, right? Um, so, I, you know, I think we're going to end up in a, I think we're going to end up in a position where an awful lot of people who believe in this crap are going to run and an awful lot of people who don't believe in it but don't want to get in a fight with the people who do are also going to run. It's a bad outcome. It's amazing how it's always George Soros, George Soros, George <laughs> right. Soros, right? They, they, I, hey, um, hey, uh, MAGA folks, right? Republicans, try to find somebody else. Why not blame it on fucking Bezos? I mean, or blame it on Elon Musk or one of the other individuals in the tech world that have turned the Trump and the Kushner people down in order to do business with them as families, right? I mean, why not blame somebody other than George Soros? It's about time they found somebody else. The guy, you know, I, I used to joke about this, Michael. You know, George Soros, he's not like he's got to be like almost 90 years old now, right? And I said to somebody that recently, I said, listen, if George Soros was this like super socialist mastermind that was going to take over America, he sure sucks at his job because this is he's been like the, the the boogeyman for like 40 years among Republicans. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, they made him into Dr. Evil, but <laughs> right. it's become increasingly clear that inside the larger riot was even a more frightening group of hardcore MAGA extremists who were determined to take hostages and murder yeah. lawmakers. I mean, we all saw that one guy had AR-15s, another had 15 Molotov cocktails, another guy had a whole slew of those zip ties, yeah. but yet they didn't succeed. And that's only thanks to the bravery of the Capitol Police officers who actually stood their ground despite great personal danger to themselves. And they should actually all receive the medal, the freedom of honor instead of fucking assholes like Jim Jordan, Jim Jordan or Devin Nunes, right? Who went hiding underneath desks or, you know, into the bathroom because they shit on themselves. But discuss with me, if you would, what you're hearing from your sources, because I know you have a lot of sources about these folks and what else is lurking on the horizon. The FBI and the Department of Homeland Security and right now, and the DOJ are all freaked the hell out. They are expecting on the 17th and on the 19th and on the 20th, um, those three days, apparently various armed insurgent groups are talking about coming to the Capitol. Um, they are, they are, 
I, I did hear something that one of the reasons Chad Wolf resigned at the Department of Homeland Security was he informed the White House of what was coming. He informed them of the intelligence they had that there were there was an imminent risk of an of another round of violent uh, activity, and they fired him for it. And they said we don't want, we don't care. Um, and I hope we hear his story soon so we can get a, so get more clarity on that because the fact that we're in a position right now where armed groups feel like they have they can even discuss coming to Washington to stop the inauguration of of, of President elect Biden is an outrage. And is a, it should also terrify Americans. If you want to live in a country where we change, um, you know, the president by an election and a transition, then you're an American. If you want to live in a country where we change the president by a coup with the armed militia groups, then you want to live in Libya or Sudan or, or Yemen. You know, that, it, it, that that's not America. So I'm very hopeful that that. They're, the DOJ, FBI, DHS, and others are taking this seriously. Uh, I know the Joint Chiefs of Staff have issued a memo to every uh, uniformed uh, soldier and said, um, don't be involved in this shit. If you are, you're out, and you'll face criminal charges. So we're, um, it's, it, we're, I'm, I'm, I'm guardedly optimistic that we'll get through the next few days. But it won't be because Donald Trump calms things down or does the right thing. It'll be because our men and women in uniform and our law enforcement agencies um, step up and engage this thing in a in a in a constructive and and powerful way, and don't let the don't let any fuck around happen. And we're really fortunate to have the most talented law enforcement in the world, whether it's the FBI, whether it's our police officers. We by far, and they they sh- anytime I see a police officer is um taking my walks throughout the city, I'll always walk over and thank them for their service because God knows if they weren't there and they didn't do the things that they did, especially the one who lost his life by being beaten to death with a fire height, with a fire right, um, extinguisher. Right. Let me tell you, I mean, that guy that guy should be automatically placed on death row. But you will remember something, Rick. I said on MSNBC right after the election, um, of Joe Biden when it was still unofficial, but they were all saying Joe Biden is going to be the winner. I said, I, I forget which program, whether it was Ari or Alex Witt or um, Joy Reid. I said the most dangerous time in American history is going to be from January 6th through January 20th. Absolutely. Because this is when Donald Trump feels like the caged rat that he is, and he is panicking now because he no longer has the protection of the office of the presidency in order to stop the thunderous litigation that's going to be coming against him that he knows is going to destroy him financially as well as put him and others his family as well behind bars and honestly i am so relieved that biden won because i want you to think about something too what would have happened if trump won my belief is that he would have declared himself the dictator of the United States, president for life. He would be thinking every single day over the course of the next four years how to remain in power for four more years or eight more years because that's just who he really is. And that kind of brings me to my next question to you. As a leading member of the Trump resistance, you, like I do, must face a deluge of hate mail. Right, death threats and other attempts at intimidation from these MAGA fanatics. 
I know what I receive on a daily basis, but I'm curious, how has it been for you if you worry for your own personal safety and now seeing what these lunatics are willing to do? What are you doing to protect yourself? Well, we have uh, we have a good amount of security and um, and I live in a uh, I live in a, a in a place that's fairly isolated. It's not easy to get to, to me and my home is is not arranged in a way that it, it's easy to like just walk up to it. We were pretty long driveway, a lot of security, a lot of dogs. Um, and and to be perfectly candid, we're armed as fuck. Uh, Florida is a state with very, as you know, very lax gun laws. And so, um, you know, I, I also have, you know, look, I travel, we have security when I travel, you know, we, we take, we take precautions at all times. Um, but luckily my kids are grown and they're out of the house, which is good. And so, you know, the, and the dogs, as you probably can hear right now, they'll bark at anything. And, um, you know, and, and look, when I'm in public, I in Florida particularly, I, I carry a concealed weapon. It's be, I've, I have now for almost four years. Um, they, the death threats have been very specific. They've come to my house. They've come. They've 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 gotten up in my face in public. Um, we get. I, I it, not a day goes by I don't get some email or phone message or or Facebook message or Twitter DM or Twitter message, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you, your family. I'm going to kill your dogs. I'm going to kill you. You know, I'm going to murder you in front of everybody on a live stream, that sort of shit, all the time. And, and look, I, I know at this point that 99.99999% of these people are just jack-offs. Um, but I, I'm also, you know, I'm also fatalistic. I, I, I if, if something goes wrong, I hope I'm, I, I hope I have time to, to, you know, at least defend myself. And if not, you know, when your number's up, your number's up. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because um, I used to have a concealed um, carry here in New right. York, which is extremely difficult. Right. It's not it's, lax, that, that like the easy. Florida laws. <laughs> by the way, by the way, I have a Florida concealed license that has not been revoked. I have to find out whether because I'm a felon that it is revoked, but uh, and especially now with Donald Trump and his relationship with the governor and with the attorney general in Florida, chances are, you know, it will never be given I, I to would, me. I would but, guess it is. If, if, get, if, they, if they, they, would, they would probably make that phone call because they're assholes. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, I, I appreciate people who, you know, have firearms but are willing to keep the firearms, you know, for their own protection and they don't run around with like AR-15s. I don't understand the whole concept why any single U.S. citizen should have one of these high-powered rifles that really belong to the military. I don't, I don't care about blowing up a watermelon in your backyard or at a range. That, to me, is not, is not what the Second Amendment was supposed to be about. And I took my gun ownership extremely serious. I never pulled, and I, owned, I had a gun for 10 years as a concealed. I never pulled it on anybody. I never brandished it on anybody. I just had it for my own protection. And they took that away from me, which of course, you know, I will seek to try to get back once I resolve all of my issues. Uh, and it ultimately comes out that my entire set of problems was brought on by Donald Trump and, you know, and the attorney general, just like when they remanded me back to prison the second right, that, time. That, that was um, some bullshit. Yeah. But, well, look, I mean, Michael, it's going to be, I, I think, I think one thing that you should keep, keep close, near and dear to your heart is that the shit you've been through has been horrible and transformative and, and grim in a million ways. 
but the shit Trump is about to go through is going to be utterly apocalyptic. It is going to be the most brutal, horrifying humiliation, I think, of any American political figure. I mean, he's going to make Richard Nixon look like a success. It's going to be absolutely phenomenal to watch this thing blow up. Well, and I'm looking forward to doing my share in order to continue to provide truth to power. But, you know, Rick, as we're winding down our hour, I want to ask you a final question here, because let's yeah. talk about Rudy fucking Giuliani for a moment. Because, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. You have the same you exasperated know. look on your face as I you do. You know, I, I worked for Rudy. I worked for Rudy in 1997. I did his campaign for mayor for re-election. We did the media, the ads for, for him in 97. In the end of 98, he asked me to come back to New York. And I was a senior advisor to the mayor in City Hall for a year and something. And then I went over to be the strategist, the communication strategist for the campaign against Hillary. And so I, I, I knew Rudy from 97 till, you know, now. We stopped talking in like late 15, I'm going to say, you know, maybe early 16, late 15. I haven't talked to him since then. Well, we used to talk all the time. I, I, I mean, I, the guy helped make my career. I'm being perfectly honest. And I've said this a hundred times. If Rudy Giuliani had just shut the fuck up, when he dies in a few years, they would name high schools after the guy. They'd rename the Verrazano Bridge after him or so, the Throg's Neck Bridge. They'd rename bridges after him. They'd name high schools after him. They'd name roads after him. He'd be a historical figure for the fact that he helped clean up the city and the fact that on the worst day in New York's history, he provided a level of leadership no one else could have imagined or, or done. You know, I, I dread the thought of fucking Bill de Blasio facing a 9-11. You know, it like horrifies me. But whatever gone, whatever's gone wrong in Rudy's brain, whatever's gone rotten in Rudy's head, it's it's destroyed his reputation. It's destroyed his 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 financial life. It's destroyed everything about him. You know, my joke of everything Trump touches dies with Rudy, man, it is for real with Rudy. It's done. He is like it was it was the same. It was the same with me, by the way, whatever, you know, as a result of Donald Trump talk about, you know, a uh, a turn of events. But I personally read with great happiness how the New York State Bar was planning to send him uh, packing with a disbarment because his culpability before the riot and during, as far as I'm concerned, is an absolute fact. It is irrefutable, but he seems to have now gone awfully quiet since January 6th and must know that he's in deep shit, especially as the president said, he isn't granting any more pardons. And if he can't pardon himself, he's not pardoning anybody. Curious what you think becomes of Rudy. Uh, look, I, I think Rudy has, I think Rudy, his best case scenario for Rudy is that he is going to end up being on basically like the MAGA clown circuit. There will still be Trump groups in the country, the kind of, same kind of people that invite Roger Stone to speak. I think that's where Rudy's going to end up, okay? I think that's where Rudy's going to, you know, land is as a, as a circus act inside the remainder of the MAGA cult. And you talk about a come down. You talk about a fall from grace and glory. That's, that's, that's the business right there. I mean, he is, he is really, truly fucked. Yeah, I mean, I've heard from sources here in New York that much of what Rudy has been doing really has nothing to do, one, with his like for Donald, because they don't like each other. They never liked each other, not when Rudy was mayor. No, Rudy used to make Rudy fun of When I worked for Trump, Rudy used to make fun of him all the time. Rudy used to, we used to like roll his eyes when somebody, when Trump did something. I mean, he used to constantly be like, what the fuck, get this guy out of here. 
He thought he was a joke. Because remember, Rudy was around like actual property developers. He was around actual money a lot of the time. And Trump was never, you know, Rudy liked Trump because, you know, Trump understood the rules of the gossip game in New York. But but he hated him otherwise. He thought he was a clown. He thought it was a joke. And and Trump thought Rudy Giuliani was a clown as well. Yeah, because sure. he used to talk shit about he used to talk shit about Rudy behind his back as well, which is comical that this is the guy who stepped up in the scenarios that I keep hearing from the New York sort of circuit here is that Rudy is really in financial trouble. And as a result of his proximity to Trump especially when he took over my role as personal attorney. He started landing these mega, mega contracts with foreign countries, right? Like Saudi Arabia, Qatar, uh, the Arab Emirates. And he fucked them six different ways to sunrise. And, you know, now he's still somehow after, after pulling that great scam, that grifting scam off of Trump's back, he still is financially in trouble. So what's going to happen yep. now that he'll have no clout? His name recognition is garbage. As you said, anybody that worked for Trump has a shit stain on their on their resume. For sure. What's he going to do now? And how's he going to get out of his problems? Yeah, it's not going to. There's there. I, I think he's fucked. I mean, I, I don't think there's a way out. I mean, he got he, he's he, he's not he's never going to practice law again in a meaningful way. He's never going to be out there as a as a of counsel or a rainmaker in a law firm ever again. No law firm's ever going to touch him ever again. Um, He's not going to be on the boards of any major companies. Oh, God, that's no. for sure. God no. So it is going to be a, a a decline, and you know he owes Judith, his former, a gajillion dollars. So I, I just don't see Rudy having. I mean, everything Trump touches dies. Playing out with Rudy is is one that that should surprise no one. Let's be perfectly honest. It should surprise absolutely no one that this guy's getting fucked because of what he did for sure for, for Trump. You know, in final question, and then I'm going to let you go because we're hitting that hour at this moment. We were talking about the various different companies that are pulling away from Trump or what Project Lincoln wants to do, which is to out the various different companies that are doing business with the Trump organization. So on. who's top who's top three on your list? Well, look, I, I, for, for me, um, Steve Bannon, who is an ex-administration official, but he's still one of the most cancerous and dangerous figures in the Trump world and a sort of manipulator behind the scenes even now. Guys like Steven Mnuchin and Gary Cohn and Peter Navarro. who Why would Trump you say Gary Cohn? Since- now, I know, I know Gary. I'm sorry, Rick. I know Gary very, very yeah. well. Gary walked away from Trump. After one year, because he could not take Trump's bullshit, everything that that Gary would tell him that he needed to do to benefit the the economy for everybody. If you'll vouch for him, I'm down. Okay, but but Navarro is you know particularly dangerous person. Agreed. Um, and and look, John Kelly, who like went through this whole like agonistes act of tearing his hair out. Oh, I feel so bad about all this, but didn't do a fucking thing. Okay, did not do a fucking thing. Um, yeah, and again, Stephen Miller is a monster. He's he's and he's got a whole bunch of dangerous monsters around him, um, who had a lot of influence in the administration. Um, and, and you know, Sarah Huckabee and Katie McEnany and all these other people that that were part of the propaganda effort, that were part of the bullshitting of America, the gaslighting of this country. Look, this. And what about corporations? And what about companies? You know, look, we're, we we we've seen a very big pushback already against the Republicans. 
um, of these corporate corporate bodies that that now are trying to whitewash themselves after having helped Trump. Um, we will not uh, take our foot off the gas on a lot of these companies. We're building out a big list. They're gonna see, you're going to see a lot more about that in the coming days and weeks of the Lincoln Project. Good. Will you please let me know? Keep me abreast Absolutely. of that because I'd like to help you with that. I've got a little bit of a list of my own, including named individuals outside outside of the Washington establishment. I'm talking about billionaires and so on who financially fed Trump during this entire time for their own personal gains at the expense of this country. And um, everybody, everybody should be held accountable. One of them will not be answering to us because Sheldon died this week. But, you know, there are many more, and I'm sure we'll have a further conversation about them going forward. Well, Rick, again, thank you so much Absolutely, for your Absolutely, Michael. It was a real uh, pleasure, Mike Fran. I'll talk to you soon, man. The same. I look forward to it, brother. You be yes, well. Yes, sir. See you, brother. And now for today's mea culpa. I want to talk to everyone today and thank you all for coming on this journey with me. What began as a simple companion to my book, Disloyal, has grown into something far more important. Twice weekly, hundreds of thousands of people gather to listen and discuss mea culpa. It was always my hope and intent that in doing this show, I could help people understand the danger posed by Donald Trump. That said, I also tried to show that there was a way forward for those who took ownership over their misdeeds and sought to walk away from the Trump cult. I want to make sure that everyone knows that while I am fearful about the future, I am not without hope. One way we change the hearts and minds of our friends, our colleagues, our families, even those we cannot stand, is to converse with them as people. This show was always intended to do just that. Now that Trump is no longer in office or will be out of office tomorrow, this show will go on. Instead of focusing on Donald Trump, we will open the conversation to cover not only the accountability that awaits him, but also the much larger conversation of how we move forward as a nation and reckon with what had happened over the past four years. In addition, I want to highlight the gains we will most certainly make away from the darkness and under the leadership of our new president. So fear not, Trump may be gone from your life, but you will certainly have Michael Cohen around to keep you informed. Now comes the fun part, putting Trump and his family behind bars. And thanks for listening. Maya Culpa is brought to you by LSJ Media and Audio Up in association with Midas Touch and it's hosted by me, Michael Cohen. Produced by Audio Up by Jimmy Jelnick and executive producer Jared Gustav. And it's edited by Tyler Dawson. Please stay tuned as we focus on the changing political moment and this unprecedented transfer of power. I'll be with you every step of the way. Mea culpa, nothing but the truth. This is my mea culpa.